I'm not a financial advisor. Everything here is just simply my opinions. Don't rely on me for financial advice. Don't take my advice. This is all for entertainment purposes only. I have limited knowledge in this area. Hey everybody, is your money safe? Is it tucked in bed all nice and warm with a glass of milk or is it on fire? Yeah, it's your money, keep it safe. I love that intro, it gets me every time. Markets are at a really weird place right now. Where are they exactly? It's strange. So a few sectors are really hit hard and beat up. And one of those is the financial services sector uh, due to the recent virus, uh, mostly primarily because of the virus, the financial services sector is desecrated. And then we've got another sector, the energy sector, which was already having a hard time due to fluctuations in supply and compared to demand, is now having an even harder time since everything's shut down. So market got hit really hard in those two sectors. Now they're on the alternative, similarly, some sectors been doing phenomenally well uh, in a couple of stocks in particular such as zoom and Netflix and any other kinds of stocks that one would consider to do well you know pharmaceuticals I think or have a lot of hype surrounding some stocks in particular so anyway uh, that's that's kind of the market in general right now so my speculations on this is that it's very foolish to become involved in one of these stocks like Zoom or Netflix. And we're going to get into some particulars on Zoom in just a moment here. Now, one of the websites that I use that I like a lot is GuruFocus.com. And I, I like this website a lot because if I type in, let's, uh, let's type in Zoom here, and I go to the summary tab, one, one nice thing they'll do is they'll rate these stocks on three scales. You've got your financial strength, a profitability rank, and a valuation rank. And now when I've independently conducted some analysis on these different stocks by combing through the income statement, the balance sheet, the cash flow statement, and looking at various uh, fundamental ratios and valuation ratios. And I, and I think in my head, okay, this seems to be like a medium, medium here. It's pretty poorly on this. And wow, this is just absolute garbage in terms of valuation. Well, um, when I go to Guru Focus, it essentially reflects how I have independently analyzed these stocks. And one of the other cool tools it has, which I'm gonna dive into right now, and I, I'm, I don't get any benefit from Guru Focus by uh, mentioning them right now. Um, I just think it has some free tools 
that are valuable for everybody. And and there is a paid version of it. Um, I'm not currently subscribed to the paid version. And um, I definitely think their stock screener is very valuable if you want to find um, some various screeners. And there's also a lot of uh, value you can get out of this tool uh, without paying anything, which is why I'm discussing it today. So one of the things when we go to this Zoom stock, and I, I know I focus a lot on price to earnings, but you know we also want to consider growth. Um, so we're going to look at today, we're going to look at the price to earnings first. And then we're going to look at the price to earnings growth for the stock. So the price to earnings for Zoom video communications is 1,531.18, um, which is hilarious. But we're going to have to take that in perspective. Let's look at the Schiller P.E. ratio. And um, it, it it's actually not applicable on... Guru focus doesn't even you know it doesn't have a list which happens sometimes in markets that are fluctuating or odd or in new ICOs because if I'm not mistaken Zoom is a recently created uh, publicly traded at least uh, yeah from April 18th 2019 so it doesn't have seven years of earnings to kind of create a comprehensive Schiller PE. Uh, ratio using this historical data. So let's let's instead look at the PEG ratio. So again, you're going to need a five-year growth rate in order to determine this. So instead, let's just look at the let's look at the balance sheet for this. And when I analyze uh, balance sheets or income statements or cash flow statements. I tend to go to marketwatch.com. I found that they lay out the information in the most digestible way. So I'll just go to Market Watch and then I'll click on a little search symbol and I'll type in Zoom. So I did a few calculations here. And if we look at the revenue for the most recent quarter, Subtract that, divide it by the original. Okay, we got a 75% increase in revenue from the last quarter to the most current quarter of April 30th, 2020 and January 31st, 2020. So in that perspective, 75% increase in revenue, that's great. <clears throat> we also had an increase in profits of 80% from quarter to quarter, from 15 million to 27 million. And from October 2019 to January 2020, it was even more explosive. It was from 2 million to 15 million. Really growing quite rapidly, right? So we can look at these th that growth. And so maybe we consider, okay, so investors are speculating that this company is going to keep growing and and if we look at kind of revenue to income ratios here it's around eight percent in january and april from 188 million gross revenue or sales revenue 
to around 15 million net income, okay? So I calculated that at about an 8%, and again, 328 million to 27 million. Again, that's like 8%. So best case scenario, it looks like they're getting around 8% um, net. And that's really not good. The other thing you need to consider is the amount of competition that a streaming service and how much value can one really extract from, you know, essentially a video communication platform. My guess is not a lot. I'm kind of amazed they're even squeaking out the numbers they are. So if we're going to look again at... At October 31st, 2019, they have a revenue of 166 million roughly, um, and a net profit of 2 million. So that's around 1%. So I mean, it looks like they really need to keep scaling in order to keep that profit margin in the 8 to 10% range and they're putting money into research and development but I mean unless they're inventing communication through holograms I I really and, and the SG&A expense okay what's that what does SG&A stand for well I'll tell you SG&A Stands for selling, selling, general, and administrative. So in that lump category, um, no, and then and then you've also got other. So the other SGNA, okay. It's it's a large number, right, in comparison to its revenue, and it grows as they get bigger, right. So again, unless they're inventing a hologram technology, which they're not, I, I can't say for sure, but I don't think they are, they're not going to be able to have a competitive advantage sustainable in this marketplace to generate any kind of profits that warrant a 1,531 price to earnings ratio. Okay, I don't care how much they're growing. I don't care. No one... Like, I don't know what people are thinking. Like, I really don't. <laughs> I laugh at you. If you're buying, I'm sorry. I don't know if you're ignorant. I don't know. I don't know what kind of thoughts run through your head. I don't want to bash on you too much. And wouldn't it be funny if I'm wrong? Because then, you know, I would humble myself to learn something. And I love doing that. And that's happened to me in the market time and time before because as you can see i maybe get a big head with some of this stuff so that's my opinion on zoom i i just i don't see it at all i think it, and and furthermore their success is it is it, you know can be attributed to a fluke virus that well, okay, I won't call it a fluke. A, a deadly virus that is 
that is increasing demand for their product and similarly all products in the video communication sector so when you have a marketplace flooding to that you're going to have all your other competitors of course increasing their acceleration on video communication platforms and maybe even new entrants so this is absolutely not a stock or a company I would get affiliated with. And I, and I, I can almost, I just, I would not, I, I'm staying far away from this one. Okay. I've said enough on that. I think I made my point. Tesla. Uh, I loved Tesla at around $20 a share. There's an enormous amount of value in the company at $20 a share. Then when it hit $200 a share uh, in such a short span of time, I knew that it would take a long time for the stock to appreciate in value. Even though I felt like, yeah, maybe that's still a fair value for the stock, um, I didn't foresee it rapidly accumulating in price for any time now i did not expect it to hit 1500 on, Ju on july in july of 2020 that was not something i would expect and i would also say i would also mirror and echo what elon musk is saying and saying that this company is overvalued now 15 years down the road i definitely i definitely see tesla being a dominant car producer um but again there's always going to be a competition so they're a forerunner in the electric industry okay but how long can you really sustain that competitive advantage when there's around 60 different car brands made by about 15 of the largest you know controlled by sorry 14 different automotive industries so you know car brand uh, car manufacturer x might have five different brands a b c d and e or whatever and then looking at electric cars there's maybe you know five six different really popular models three of which are controlled by tesla right now and that's you know that's according to evcharging.enlx.com blog you know 492 top electric cars so they're they're listing tesla model 3 tesla model s tesla model x the chevrolet volt the chevrolet bolt which is an ev and then the nissan leaf okay so that's like um these three automakers accounting for more than 60% of all electric cars sold in the U.S. through September in 2018, according to this blog. So again, you've got, you've got competition, and certainly not as much competition with the electric space right now. But, okay, the amount of electric cars being produced and sold, the competition, there's... there's Let's just put it this way. There's a lot more non-electric cars being produced and there's a lot more demand for non-electric cars. And what can we attribute to this? Well, 
One is one contributor, of course, would be entry price for electric cars um, currently are higher than gas powered vehicles. So that main point, uh, main point of entry can be a determinant for a lot of people. And then, of course, there's the charging station issue where you'd need to install the charging station home. So there's another point of entry barrier. Now, as companies are able to bring those costs down, and if you can bring the costs down for everybody, it can make a lot more sense for people to do that when, when you have people whose main concern is price, right? And so when the vast majority have to take price into consideration due to their limited resources, then those things become a real issue. And it becomes impossible. It's an impossible barrier for people to overcome if they, they literally don't have the resources, no matter how much they care about the environment, no matter how concerned they are. If they literally don't have the resources, they're incapable of making that change, no matter how much value they may place on environmental factors. Okay? So really, for companies to be responsible they to and to increase demand, which is also going to be helping their bottom line, that's what they need to take into account. Now, of course, people are taking into account, <laughs> right? Of course, they're... But are, are they really putting enough uh, research and development into bringing the cost down? And I would argue they are not. And, and I would argue that companies like Tesla that are being more innovative will certainly carry on and have, sure, a competitive advantage by being a forerunner in the industry, by... by trying to bring these costs down as much as possible through gigafactories or whatever else they're doing and whatever kind of research and developments they're engaging in. But, and there's a big but here, is that the price of Tesla right now, and the whole reason that I'm getting on this, this all of these different tangents on considering external market forces and, and, cons and internal consumer perspectives and what they are going to need is all being factored into how to determine appropriate price for this company. Okay, and what kind of value am I going to really be able to extract if I'm paying X amount of dollars for a share, for one single share of this company? And for Tesla to be valued at what it is right now, I would say is way over the top. Um, for it to have a 277 billion market cap when Ford's market cap is 24 billion or General Motors market cap is 35 billion we're talking like 10 times and then some the market cap of Ford and so that doesn't make sense and when something stops making sense like that, because if Ford wanted to produce an electric car, they could, okay? And they could probably make one at a lower price point than Tesla. Why aren't they right now? There's They don't forecast the demand for it. But they should, if the executives were thinking strategically they would start to implement 
and research those technologies, which I'm sure they are, but again, they're not doing it enough. So, and part of that can be supply chain reasons or inputs that they have in place or contracts or whatever it is. Um, but, you know, slowly we'll see more and more companies uh, transitioning to electric technologies and electronic vehicle production. And the point I'm bringing this up is because eventually there's going to be more and more competition for electric cars. Tesla isn't going to be the only player in the market. They know that, and they're doing everything they can to create an as large of a competitive advantage for themselves as they can going forward. But I don't think investors are realizing this right now. Um, they're acting like tesla is the only electric baby in the world right now and that it's like gonna be the only baby that grows up into this electronic human cyborg that totally controls the planet in terms of electronic vehicle production <laughs> like no you're wrong it's not there's gonna be you know there's gonna be other cars that can Google could probably create an electric car that's self-driving and it probably will like the market cap of and in fact if I had to choose between two stocks right now Google or Tesla I would choose Google now okay I will say all this with also saying that I love Tesla and I, I have loved what Elon has been doing and now I have you know some concerns about some kind of wacky tabacky um news reviews i don't i don't really know how legitimate that is it i never heard anything of him coming out and saying these claims are false and ridiculous i've never touched a wacky tobacco in my life but that said i have some concerns about that kind of a thing and what kind of an example does that set for employees or for you know people in general for someone who's doing such impressive things but anyway we'll just get back into this stock price here so my opinion and again to reiterate the disclaimer not a financial advisor or whatever but um I, you know and I, I take your own stuff do your own research this stock price is way too high so what would i think is a fair value what would i buy tesla at if it went back down to around i don't know 150 bucks 200 bucks i'd buy it then i would buy it at 150 to 200 in a heartbeat and i'd buy a lot of it okay but right now it's trading at 10 times that there's a lot of other places in the market that I would, you know, first put my money. So let's get into that. Where would I put my money? Well, right now, I mean, I think the sectors that have been trashed by a virus, which is only going to last for another, I don't know what, six, seven months until literally like everyone catches. Like, I don't know. Have they computed the, the elapsed time? that it would take for just literally everyone to catch it and just move, move on. I, I, I mean, that's like, literally, that is what I would consider the mathematical computation for worst case scenarios. Like everybody in the world just gets it 
there's not enough hospital beds, you know, people will experience the unfortunate effects of this, people will die, and then what happens, you know, what happens to the world then? So, <laughs> you know, how long could this last for? What that computation is, I don't know. Based on the numbers I've been seeing and how many cases have it so far, it looks like around 10% or maybe maybe it's only 1%. I don't know. Somewhere between 1 and 10% of people have had it so far. And I'm saying between 1 and 10 is because maybe there's 1% of confirmed cases, but for every confirmed case... This virus is unique in that, well, we don't know how many other people have had it based on, you know, people choosing not to get tested even though they have it or, um, you know, not showing symptoms. So there's a lot of different variables there. So I'm sure someone could do the math and create a prediction based on that using mathematical computations, but I have not. But that's why I'm saying between 1 and 10%, okay? And it's been... I don't know since march so like february march april may june so like six months anyway we're gonna have to cut this short because i got other stuff to do but i've enjoyed the talk so far and you know just i would say financial services sector get in on that oil and energy get in on that um solar is great anything related to energy right now um, people always need energy, and energy, uh, there's going to be much much more demand for energy going forward in the future, because it literally powers everything, it's inelastic. And so, um, yeah, that's that's what I would say is a good idea. But again, I'm not, I'm not even recommending anything, that's just my opinion on, on what's a good idea. Okay. Good talk.